In this country of ours took place the greatest revolution that has ever taken place in world's history, the only true revolution. Every other revolution simply exchanged one set of rulers for another. But here, for the first time in all the thousands of years of man's relation to man, a little group of men, the Founding Fathers, for the first time, established the idea that you and I had within ourselves the God-given right and ability to determine our own destiny. This freedom was built into our government with safeguards. We talk democracy today, and strangely we let democracy begin to assume the aspect of majority rule is all that is needed. Well, majority rule is a fine aspect of democracy, provided there are guarantees written in to our government concerning the rights of the individual and of the minorities. We can say right now that we want no further encroachment on these individual liberties and freedoms. And at the moment, the key issue is we do not want socialized medicine. If you don't, this program, I promise you, will pass just as surely as the sun will come up tomorrow. And behind it will come other federal programs that will invade every area of freedom as we have known it in this country. Until, one day, as Norman Thomas said, we will awake to find that we have socialism. And if you don't do this, and if I don't do it, one of these days, you and I are going to spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Wow. That's President Ronald Reagan, who was, for those of you too young to remember, President of the United States beginning in 1980. Uh, And before that, he was an actor in Hollywood, uh, used to do regular broadcasts um, before he was president on all these major issues. He was a real intellectual. I mean, the left wants you to think that he was dumb. That's how they try to paint him. He's not exactly dumb. You can see he called him the great communicator, and you can hear why that's true. He was so prescient. He fought communism harder than probably anyone in the world except Winston Churchill uh, because he saw what it was doing to the country. And think about what he predicted there, about how government, the control of our health care would creep into other agencies, and we would lose more and more of our freedoms. And I think you would agree that that's where we have come today. Well, we're going to talk today about one area of creeping. It's called Medicare. Uh, And uh, there's something that's happening with it right now. Well, one more malfeasance from my perspective. Uh, We'll have a conversation about that in a second. But first, uh, Preborn has been sponsoring us since uh, we started in January. So it's really a real honor. And um, you have really joined in to help save babies' lives. I want to give you an example. You know, Mother's Day is approaching. And I'd like to kind of feature Preborn today in a different way. Preborn cares deeply for mothers. Preborn's network of clinics exist exclusively to offer love, life, and support to pregnant women who are feeling scared and alone and being pressured to make the ultimate choice that will not only sacrifice the life of their preborn baby, but take a piece of their heart. When a distressed mother comes to preborn, she's welcomed with open arms and offered a free ultrasound to hear and see the precious life inside of her. And the majority of the time, she will choose life. This Mother's Day, you can help bring life to both a mother in need and an at-risk baby. One ultrasound costs $28. Five ultrasounds are $140, and every penny goes towards loving mothers and babies as well. When you become a monthly sponsor, by the way, you will receive pictures and stories of the lives you help to save. To get involved, all you have to do is go to preborn.com slash sandy. That's preborn.com slash sandy. 
and just give as generously as you're able. Uh, so it's a great time to do it. It is Mother's Day. All right, so one other thing. If you have a comment, uh, you can go to 662-821-2040. That's 662-821-2040. Or you can write us at sandy at afr.net. That's sandy at afr.net. All right, so this is going to be a little controversial, maybe a little uncomfortable for some of you who are on Medicare or love Medicare or can't wait to have Medicare. Uh, This is uh, something we have to face, so sit back and fasten your seatbelt and listen to today's version of Sandy Rios 24-7. From American Family Radio, Sandy Rios. We are not called to be nice. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. I think the most important thing we need to demonstrate to our children is genuineness. That we actually believe what we say we believe. A longtime Fox News contributor, Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. Seek justice, not social justice, but God's justice, what's right and what's wrong. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association, a pro-life radio talk show host. We've got to say this is the line. Life is sacred. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. One of the traditional methods of imposing statism or socialism on a people has been by way of medicine. It's very easy to disguise a medical program as a humanitarian project. Most people are a little reluctant to oppose anything that suggests medical care for people who possibly can't afford it. James Madison in 1788 speaking to the Virginia Convention said, since the general civilization of mankind I believe there are more instances of the abridgment of the freedom of the people by gradual and silent encroachment of those in power than by violent and sudden usurpations. Now in our country, under our free enterprise system, we have seen medicine reach the greatest heights that it has in any country in the world. Today, the relationship between patient and doctor in this country is something to be envied any place. The privacy, the care that is given to a person, the right to choose a doctor, the right to go from one doctor to the other. But let's also look from the other side at the freedom the doctor loses. A doctor would be reluctant to say this. Well, like you, I'm only a patient, so I can say it in his behalf. The doctor begins to lose freedoms. It's like telling a lie, and one leads to another. First, you decide that the doctor can have so many patients, they're equally divided among the various doctors by the government. But then the doctors aren't equally divided geographically. So a doctor decides he wants to practice in one town, and the government has to say to him, you can't live in that town, they already have enough doctors, you have to go someplace else. And from here, it's only a short step to dictating where he will go. This is a freedom that I wonder whether any of us have the right to take from any human being. Take it into your own occupation or that of your husband. All of us can see what happens once you establish the precedent that the government can determine a man's working place and his working methods, determine his employment. From here, it's a short step to all the rest of socialism to determining his pay. And pretty soon, your son won't decide when he's in school where he will go or what he will do for a living. He will wait for the government to tell him where he will go to work and what he will do. All right, that was the voice of President Ronald Reagan a long, long time ago. He used to do radio shows where he would opine on communism and socialism, and those were part 
at least, of his comments on the way he felt about Medicare at the time. Now, this is going to be a little bit controversial. At least uh, my opinions are not the opinions of my guests necessarily, and actually that's not why I invited him to join me. But I want to lay the case that we have moved with Medicare to a very dangerous place. In fact, some are saying that we will be make uh, we'll be out of money by 2030 for Medicare. Now, I'll have to confirm that with our next guest. Uh, but we know that it's costing tremendous amounts of money. Everyone wants to sign up. I know all many of you listening want to sign up or you can't wait till you do because then the government pays for all of your health care. But you just think about that. How long can we sustain the government paying for everything? I hear seniors boasting and happy that they didn't have to pay anything for anything. How can we sustain this? The truth is we can't. And so now there's a corruption. It's become a kind of a way of handling politicians and threatening them. They can't even cut the payments or change the, uh, uh, you know, who's eligible and what they receive because it's political suicide. So it has become a hugely powerful control mechanism in our country. Uh, today we want to talk about something that, uh, and by the way, it affects us all. So if you're not a senior, don't tune out because this, <laughs> trust me, this affects you too. My next guest is an expert on this. He's the Senior Health Policy Analyst for Americans for Prosperity. In that role, he promotes state and federal policies that increase patient choices, lower costs, and expand access to quality health care. Uh, so um, with that, uh, Charlie Katibi, thanks for joining us. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Sandy. My pleasure, all right, so we're we're talking today because there's something happening right now in regard to Medicare. I'm just going to let you explain it, at least give the opening paragraph here, Charlie. What's the problem now? Yeah, so Medicare is causing some major problems in America's health care system right now. So right now, Medicare pays hospitals and hospital-owned facilities about two to three times as much as they pay independent doctor's offices for the exact same services. Um, This can be for chemotherapy. um, This could be for uh, drug infusions, very common things. Um, But this imposes a lot of problems on everybody. One, it dramatically drives up the cost of the program and adds about $150 billion to taxpayer costs. But there's another really big problem. And that problem is that it creates an enormous incentive for hospitals to buy up independent doctor's offices um, and then charge everyone a lot more money. So this problem, it imposes tons of costs, but more importantly, it's basically subsidizing hospitals to monopolize our healthcare system and take choices away from patients. So uh, to be clear, you just made the case, mm-hmm. but just to underscore it, this affects everyone. Uh, this means that your your doctors, um, some of you are maybe too young to even remember. Doctors used to operate on their own. They were, they were the ones actually often that owned hospitals or invested in, you know, clinics. Uh, but now uh, the world is different. We've seen this. Mm-hmm. So, so the bottom line is that affects all of us because private ownership, doctors take more I maintain they take more interest in their patients, spend more time with them. Uh, There's just much more intimacy than when corporations take over doctors Mm -hmm. and hospitals, which is what Medicare is helping to take place. Did I say that correctly? You are are absolutely correct. People go into medicine primarily to help people. 
people usually don't go into medicine, which is a very time-consuming and very difficult job, uh, not to raise money, but to serve their communities, serve their families, help patients in general. Um, the problem is that this whole process where a large hospital groups have been buying up physician practices, it's turning physicians uh, into employees of these large systems. And these systems, they aren't concerned with the interests of their patients. They don't consider patients their customers. They consider patients basically a resource to be mined, essentially. And you can see that with the way that they operate. Um, All right. Well, and Charlie, that's one. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just, I don't want to put, look, I have really strong opinions about this. And I, re- I know you yeah. recognize, uh, you represent the Americans for Prosperity, and I don't want people to confuse my opinions with yours. So I just want to make that clear. Uh, but oh, I am. Okay. So uh, it seems to me that we saw this in living color uh, beginning in COVID. We might not have understood it before that. Um, but boy, I think we get it now. I don't know if you'd agree with that. We definitely saw a lot of very troubling trends that. Only hospitals were able to stay in business. A lot of doctor's offices were forced to close, and that really accelerated the trend. It became much harder for independent doctor's offices to stay in business, and sometimes the only way that they could remain in business was getting bought up by a hospital. So it was this process, frankly, has been, gone on, has been going on for decades. Um, but it really accelerated during COVID, along yeah. with a lot of really other bad problems in our and society. Charlie, up until that time, while there may have been another break in it, but for, this is for my knowledge base here, mm-hmm. uh, doctors had autonomy. They, they had the, the power or the authority. I should put it that way. They were tasked, given mm-hmm. the authority, to make individual decisions for their patients. And some doctors would recommend this, other doctors would recommend that. And we saw in COVID that they were then compelled uh, to force the vaccination on people. There were very few dissenters for the very reason we're talking about, because they were in fear of losing their jobs. Uh, they, it was, they, because they were part of this massive corporate hospital entity, uh, they did not have mm-hmm. autonomy like they used to have. And for the doctors, that was very difficult. But, it um, was. It was. Yeah. You've just identified another major problem with this entire federally government-run push into hospital employment. Hospitals have to report to their investors, and also they have to report to Medicare. Medicare made those mandates, made those vaccine mandates, and it became a lot easier for these large hospital groups to push huge scores of doctors into pushing this. onto their patients and pushing vaccines just onto their workforce, even if that workforce didn't believe that those vaccines were the most effective case. You know, vaccines are are very fantastic, but not for everybody, especially with people with certain conditions. Um, And I believe that this centralization of power really made it a lot harder uh, for people to make those decisions. Oh, there's no question about that. Hospital staff, too, laid yeah. off by, in droves. It was a horrible experience, but the, whether, regardless mm-hmm. of how you feel about vaccines, uh, we as Americans yeah. should not be forced to take anything like that, nothing like that. But uh, let me give a stat here, Charlie. This is in, uh, and we're going to get to the letter in just a second. 
Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The reason we're talking, the occasion of us talking uh, right now, is that a letter has just been sent by over 20 entities, uh, organizations like Americans for Prosperity, but a lot of other organizations, some of them really on the left, that's interesting to me, Americans for Prosperity, mm-hmm. I don't think for the most part, a conservative, but not on everything. But you've got people, mm-hmm. uh, organizations like, um, I'm trying to find the name here, um, in, in uh, D.C., a very liberal think tank has joined with you. There are some other entities mm-hmm. that have joined. Uh, so I find it really, yeah. Brookings, for heaven's sake, it's the first listing, <laughs> Brookings Institute, uh, that's not exactly a conservative organization. Why does the left and the right agree on this issue that we have to stop uh, the... Medicare from paying more money to hospital monopolies, a great deal more money, actually, for normal treatments than they do to, like, independent doctors or uh, unaffiliated uh, hospital hospitalists or hospital corporations. Why does the left and the right, why are they together on this? We've thought, frankly, thought leaders on both the left and the right have sort of seen the light on this issue. The left and right has argued about what's the solution for healthcare for decades. Um, but on this issue, we agree. Monopolies, large monopolies in healthcare, especially when it comes to the hospital industry, have been a major driver of the increase in cost and care. Um, this is why groups on the right have been very upset about this trend. And as you mentioned, groups on the left. So, Americans for Prosperity, um, al- along with other right-leaning groups like Americans for Tax Tax Reform, the Texas Policy Foundation, and as you mentioned, a lot of groups on the left, the Brookings Institution, um, the Progressive Policy Institute, and other groups, we all recognize that large monopolies are a major problem and are driving up the cost of care. And at a time when Congress is looking at fixing this problem with some very great solutions, we wanted Congress to know that there is unity among thought leaders in Washington on this issue. And we wanted to communicate that to them, to let them know that the people that really think hard and clearly about health care, even when we disagree on a lot of other things, on this one issue, we agree. And we want to make sure that that is known to our leaders in Washington. You actually say you have uh, cited here a poll that was used to kind of I don't know, in the, in the organi- organizing of this letter, mm-hmm. it's by YouGov. Yeah. And I find this interesting because this is people, not, uh, well, this is doctors and people, regular people. 69% mm-hmm. say, of the people interviewed, said that independent doctors should be reimbursed the same amount that hospital-employed doctors get. And 67% say they're concerned about the growing consolidation of hospitals across the country. Um, uh, and then, of course, the problem is that you get into here, I think, Charlie, is that hospitals are then beginning to practice dishonest billing. Can you talk about that? Absolutely. And this is another major problem with this trend towards hospital monopolies. So when a large hospital buys an independent physician office and they make it part of their hospital network, Sometimes what this, hosp- what this new facility will do is they will bill a patient, bill their insurer, the same way they always do. However, when they would bill their insurer, they will pretend that this physician office is a hospital. 
and they will use a different number to basically hide a, an identifying number to hide this fact. And when they do that, they will load that patient's bill up with hospital facility fees. This, these fees can be hundreds of dollars or they can be thousands of dollars. And it's exactly what you said it is. It's dishonest. Um, these are patients who have been going to these facilities for years. Um, one senior in Ohio, she was going to this physician office for years, paying $30 out of pocket. She came back um, and she got a bill for over $300. And that's because that doctor's office that doctor's office pretended to be the hospital that owns them and added thousands of dollars to her hospital bill, which is insane. And thankfully leaders in Washington and around the country are really trying to put a stop to this practice. There is so much and has been through the years, so much fraud, Medicare and everyone's uh, Mm -hmm. people responsible or people that could do something about it have been so hesitant to make any cuts you know, they're scared to death, Charlie. As I said in the, my opening mm-hmm. statement, uh, it's like a Democles sword over a politician's head if he dares mm-hmm. talk about reigning and spending on Medicare. And yet I just saw a story, I won't bother to play it, but it was a news story of uh, some senior citizens in Florida who were receiving, like, enormous amounts of COVID tests that they didn't ask for. I mean, to their home. And they call and try to stop it. Medicare's paying for all of it. They got that when they got their Medicare, like... It's not a bill, I guess, a report on what was spent. They see that it's like mm-hmm. Medicare's uh, paying lots of money for these tests that they don't need, and they've reported it, and it still didn't stop. That's just one example. There's just so much fraud. Do you feel like there's any hope at all to get uh, politicians to actually take that risk and do something about all of this? I think there is actually a lot of hope to do something about this. As you mentioned at the start of this discussion, Medicare is going bankrupt. Uh, Part of the Medicare fund is going to run out in 2030, and that's going to mean about a 15% cut in the payments that are going to healthcare providers. That's going to lead to healthcare providers dropping out, and that means less choice. However, this reform that we're talking about to equalize the payments between hospitals and doctors that would deliver about $150 billion in savings to taxpayers in the Medicare program over wow. 10 years. That is huge. And that would really do a lot to um, really lengthening the longevity of the Medicare program to make sure it's there for people who need it. Um, and the best part of this reform is it does not, uh, it would not deliver a single benefit cut to a single Medicare recipient. This would make sure that everyone has the exact same benefits and it would not remove a single person off the program. The only thing it would do was make, would make sure that the program is delivering services efficiently and in a low cost manner. And I think that is why there was enormous hope for this reform because this isn't a benefit cut, it's not a tax increase, This just makes sure that this program delivers services in a better way to the people that need it. Well, it's it's also just fraudulent. I just think it's Mm -hmm. fraudulent. It's also very, it is, like Reagan said, it's very inherently socialist that you charge people in the private sector or in independent, going to independent doctors uh, a lot more Mm -hmm. for their care. And they're the ones that have to pay for it. 
uh, then, well, and that applies, again, to all patients. It's not just seniors. It's uh, all patients are having to pay for this, and, and certainly taxpayers. You know, Joe Biden just, what, I don't know what he did, an executive order, a number, a speech, uh, where he wants, you know, the rich to pay more for Medicare. Uh, so um, it's all boiling down to taxpayers feeling the burden of this, no matter what their age is. And the bottom line is we're running out of money. And something like this has to happen. I know you've sent this, uh, you've sent this letter with uh, this signed by these twenty plus organizations and experts calling mm-hmm. on Congress to establish site neutral payments in Medicare. And it's gone to two different committees: Energy and Commerce and mm-hmm. House Education and Workforce. You know, if ever there was a time in the House where they might actually listen to you, it's now, isn't it? It is. It is. Um, and I'm really thankful that lawmakers are starting to look at this. And it's not just it's not just Republicans. U.S. Democratic Representative Ann Custer from New Hampshire uh, and Senator Maggie Hassan uh, from New Hampshire as well. Both of them, uh, these are Democrats. They want to lead on this issue. Every if you're a lawmaker who's in a community that has suffered from high hospital costs, high health care costs and have seen large monopolies take over your healthcare system, you have an interest in this. Um, and that's why I think, thankfully, we're seeing bipartisan interest in this. Um, this problem affects every single community, every single congressional district. And I think this is why this reform is so ripe. Um, you mentioned that poll, that YouGov poll. Um, this isn't just, you know, fancy think tank folks who (laughs) believe this is a big problem ever if you're just if you have common sense you know that if a single business has taken over a valuable service in an area um they will use that power they have in the market to charge higher prices um and that's frankly what we're seeing in this in healthcare. and hopefully we can get a lot, more, a lot of bipartisan help on this issue to get this reform over the finish line. Yes, so, so I see two, I know this is not what your letter addresses, but mm-hmm. I see just two, at least two major red flags, and we've discussed them. It's not only the increase in the cost, it's the plunging of the medical care. Because, I mean, they've already mm-hmm. gone, I don't know if you, Charlie, these terrible codes, I would call them terrible, because I think they're gumming up the works. They're making, uh, they, they're making healthcare billing more confusing, more difficult for doctors, medical. And I think uh, it, it's, is this a Medicare structure, these codes? It is. It's, it's, a, big, it's a big part of it. Um, the CPT codes that, to my knowledge, the CPT codes that hospitals, that hospitals use, those are determined... Those are set by the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Um, and I will mention the practice of dishonest billing, the, the loopholes that hospitals use to gouge patients at physician offices, that system is also created by the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. And that's what hospitals are exploiting to dishonestly bill patients as well. So it raises costs. And it makes doctors look more into data entry specialists and takes time away from them actually treating their patients. 
Yes, I've seen, I know, I know personally at least two doctors who have stepped aside from the practice, still young, still capable, still good doctors who were just, uh, just hated all the rules and regulations mm-hmm. and the control. So they just said, I'm quitting. And so I think we've lost a lot of doctors that way. But I, for right now, uh, you guys, the Americans for Prosperity and the, these other groups are fighting the good mm-hmm. fight. And this is something that perhaps we could do. Again, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's this letter that's calling on Congress to establish site-neutral payments in Medicare. Is there a, a number or a, a congressperson? Uh, or, or just, I guess, everybody lives in a different state. So is there some way people could take mm-hmm. action on this? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I would, to your, to your callers, I would, one, look up the, the numbers of your congressmen, your representatives, your senators, reach out to them about this issue. But number two, I would look into who are the members uh, of the Energy and Commerce Committee in the House and the members of the Ed and Workforce Committee in the House as well. Those two committees are looking at this issue very closely, and they're considering these reforms that we're talking about as well to fix this problem. So those committees are the ones that are really focusing on this issue. And if you believe that hospital monopolies are a major problem and we need to fix this problem, I would just recommend that your callers reach out to members of those offices if you're if they live in states that where those representatives come from and just let them know that this is a major problem and they support site neutral payment reform Um, because that would do a ton of good if these members could hear from their constituents and just hear that they really care about this issue and they want a healthcare system that actually functions for their families and for individuals. Yeah. Uh, let me just say, this: these are terms that are not familiar to people, but site-neutral, S-I-T-E. In other words, the payment, that doesn't matter where the, what the address is, the payments are fair, the same for all, uh, whether they're yeah. corporate or private entities, that they should be fair payments. And, of course, this is all tied into the quality of our health care as we've laid out. Kathy McMorris-Rogers is the head of the House Energy and Commerce right now. Oh, she's the chairman. So that's one name for you. And uh, Morgan Griffith is from Virginia. I have a lot of listeners uh, in Virginia, Morgan Griffith. And then uh, Health Chair Brett Guthrie is from Kentucky. So that's three states where we have a lot of listeners. So, uh, Charlie, we appreciate your time. This is, this is great work you're doing. Uh, and so we appreciate you joining us today. Thank you, Charlie Katibi, Senior Health Policy Analyst for Americans for prosperity. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you for having me on. My pleasure. All right. This has been Sandy Rios of Sandy Rios 24-7. This is Sandy Rios 24-7 on American Family Radio. Well, I hope you found that interesting. And again, let me emphasize, this affects each and every one of us. It affects your children's care, your baby's care. It doesn't matter how old you are. The whole malfeasance and malpractice, from my perspective, of Medicare is affecting all of us. And I think we made the case in this discussion. Let me remind you that if you have a comment, and I bet you'll have a comment on this, uh, you can call us at 662-821-2040. That's 662 
1-800-273-4840. And you know you can listen to this podcast on all the podcast platforms. AFR.net is our home base. AFR Talk is a great app to download so you can hear it anytime you want. Or you can go to Spotify and Apple and all the other, your favorite podcast platform, whatever that may be. You know, we're getting close to Mother's Day. And as we do that, we think about the lives of babies. I do anyway. And I want to talk about preborn for a second because they really do care for mothers. It's a network of clinics uh, that exist exclusively to offer love, life, and support to pregnant women. Those that are feeling scared and alone and being pressured to make the ultimate choice that will not only sacrifice the life of their preborn baby, but take a piece of their own heart. When a distressed mother comes to preborn, she is welcomed with open arms and is offered a free ultrasound to hear and see the precious life inside of her. And the majority of times, she will choose life. This Mother's Day, you can bring life to both mother in need and an at-risk baby. One ultrasound costs $28. The cost of about like a dinner uh, to save just the, just that to save the life of a baby. One ultrasound twenty eight dollars five one hundred and forty dollars. Every penny goes toward loving mothers and babies as well. And when you become a monthly sponsor, you will receive pictures and stories of lives you help to save. To get involved, go to preborn.com/sandy. That's preborn.com/sandy. In the Depression, the elderly were quite dependent on their sons and daughters, and their sons and daughters were out of jobs. And the principal problem was medical care costs. Not that people couldn't get good care, but it was that they could not afford the hospital costs. There wasn't much of an argument about the need. The argument was what to do about it. All right, Sandy Rios, back with you. That's just a little clip of kind of the history of Medicare. I thought that was really fascinating. I, uh, President Truman actually started the push for this in 1945, not calling it Medicare, but the whole concept of it. In 1960, Lyndon Johnson really uh, started implementing it, uh, 1963, actually. So uh, we've come a long way, baby. I've asked my husband, Bruce, the former FBI agent, my sweetheart, to join me to talk about this. Good morning, honey. Good morning. So this is complex. I, I know I stress, I express some strong views about it. What, what do you think about Medicare in general? Well, it is complex. Um, you know, anytime you institute a government program, it seems to start with good intentions and maybe even good beginnings. But somehow they always get corrupted. Either the costs go out of control or things get morphed into it that should not have ever entered into that program. And I think that's what's happened to Medicare. Yeah, I could see, uh, I could more see a a state program instead of a national program. Because when it gets Mm -hmm. federalized, that's when the trouble starts. And I want to make the point that Ronald Reagan made uh, a a little bit more clearly, if I can, if that's possible to clarify the great communicator. But it is true. Think about it. If people control what medicine you can get or what care you can receive, or if, in fact, you can see a doctor or not, and whether it's a good doctor or not, you don't have the choice, then they really do control you. If you've got a sick baby and you're desperate, you that's, that's a lifeline. And that his point about if you want to control people, control their medic, medical uh, care it is extremely valid. Well, I think we saw this during COVID. I mean... 
you'd go to your doctor's office and you'd say, I don't feel well, I think I have COVID, and they'd say, you cannot come in here. And, and the reason that was um, that situation is because most of these doctors were being told by their various uh, CDC or, or the World Health Organization that COVID was basically like the plague and that everyone should be funneled to the hospital. You know, if, if you don't, if you think you have COVID, go to the hospital. Then we saw what was going on when people would go to the hospital. The hospitals were raking in money, these federal subsidies, hundreds of thousands of dollars sometimes just for one patient. And um, talk about a control mechanism. You yeah. can't go in your doctor's well, I can't office. Go see your, I, well, I'll never forget, you, when you got COVID, you don't, they had a sign on the door. Yeah. Don't come in if you've got COVID. And now we're learning, uh, Bruce, that a lot of these doctors, I'm sure not all of them, but a lot of them, were their their practice or their you know their group was owned by the hospital corporations. Yes. And uh, by funneling all these patients to the hospital, they made that money that you just uh, referred to that money hand over fist. It was like a big little big party, big party for the hospitals. They made a lot of money, and that's and the sad part about this that we didn't get to in my discussion with. Uh, with our guest, Charlie, um, is that people lost trust in their hospitals. Not everyone. I guess people still blindly. I don't, I really, I didn't trust them before too much. I'm always a skeptic, but now I really don't trust them. When you go in there and you put your life in their hands, what kind of decisions are they going to make when you are really sick? What are they going to recommend or what are they going to withhold? That, that's a danger because, because the corporate tells them they can't do this or that. You know, I think it's amazing in just our lifetimes. I think you grew up like me. Uh, your doctor was sort of, uh, when he said something, it was like a pronouncement almost from God, like uh, we really trusted our doctors. And now I hear so many comments from so many people that I went to the hospital, they took terrible care of me, my doctor sent me there, I didn't need to go to the hospital, or when I got there, I... The wait times in the emergency rooms and things are astronomical, and uh, you know I think you know we have a lot of a lot of people that live in rural areas, and I think farmers can relate to this. Um, so many of the farmers now are having their small farms uh, being bought up by corporations, and it's the same thing. They're being told what they can plant, how much they can plant, whether they can fertilize, well, yeah, whether they can or whether they the, should. The pricing on things is is controlled by the corporation. Any time people are involved, that their motivation is to make money for themselves, not necessarily a person that's doing the work. You have problems. Well, the other thing is, uh, we recently had a discussion with Congressman uh, King, uh, Steve King, on the World Economic Forum, and of course, their goal is to corporatize, uh, pull into just a few entities all of these goods and services, including medical, uh, and then uh, sort of starve out any other entities that don't embrace their entire agenda, which is, of course, global warming and uh, population control and everything, uh, so that no one else can exist. And, by the way, we saw that in COVID uh, when... Nobody could open their doors except for Target and Walgreens and I don't remember, Costco. 
Walmart. Yeah. yeah. So they made money hand over fist, and we all just like sheep said, oh, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like COVID somehow couldn't go to Target or Walmart, but they could go to the mom and pop store. And so six, I think 60% of small businesses, I believe that's the stat, went out of business. This is dangerous stuff. And uh, this, uh, this story today that we just told is just a part of it, but this is a dangerous uh, this is a dangerous trend, and so I think that fighting back on this particular situation is very smart. We need to fight smart in any way that we can. All right, honey, well, thank you for joining me. Uh, any final thoughts? Well, uh, one thing uh, that was brought up by our guest is, you know, we, we, we throw this term around, oh, it's, it's Medicare, and we act, and, and people love it. I mean, we, we live in an older area, and Lots of people love Medicare. They can't wait to go and get their free vaccine, vaccines and their free checkups and all this. Their free devices, know, their free yeah, everything, yeah. Nothing is free. And we have to remember, Medicare is paid for by our federal income tax. It somehow does not just come out of the sky. And I think it would help just to even think in terms of Medicare slash income tax. It's all the same thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, they take it out of your check, so you never see that. But when you look at your check stub, you notice you're paying a lot of money. Wait, uh, and you know what? I, I I have to say this because this makes me crazy. Think about when you uh, go in for a procedure, especially if it's a surgery, and your bill comes back from the insurance company and or Medicare, and you see costs and charges on there that you have no idea where. They, in fact, you'll see doctor's names on there that you'll say, I never saw that doctor. I have no, and and there's a large charge from that doctor. So, you know, this is really a shell game by sending everyone to the hospital where it's it's much more anonymous than when you're dealing one-on-one with your doctor. It's rife for corruption. Yeah, um, well, very interesting discussion, honey. Thank you for joining me. Uh, right now, we better wrap it up. And uh, it's been a pleasure. It always is to talk to you. And we're honored, honored, honored that you listen. So thank you for listening to today's version of Sandy Rios 24-7.